0: Hi, welcome to Bridge Atlantic. We're your host, Marciano Velli. I'm Ross Barber. Today on the show, we have Dan Fiela, the drummer of metal band Vargo with us. Hi, Dan. Hello, what's happening?
1: Not too much. How about yourself, man? Uh, just enjoying the last days of summer.
0: So, Dan, 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 we want to know, right off the bat, three things about yourself that everyone
1: should know. Well... um, Oh yeah, this was in the preview question that you sent me, right? Maybe. Uh What are you talking about? I don't know what you're about. <laughs> this is not things. planned at all. <laughs> uh, well, um, obviously I'm a lover of music. Um, music is something that's taken me to incredible places, and I've met incredible people. And I mean, you and I met through music, my me playing on your records. And, uh, that's right. I mean, that, that's a pretty obvious one. I, uh, I love my wife. I love my daughter I love my dog. <laughs> and, uh, I, I'm afraid of snakes. How's
0: that? <laughs> okay. Well, I got to ask, how did this fear of snakes happen?
1: How did, the you know, I, I, I have no idea, but I'm horrified of them. I we're, see. we're, we're up North this weekend and, uh, there's a bunch of people there and, uh, the the kids caught a water snake and they're like oh uncle dan look at the water snake and i I just turned like i almost passed out and i'm like please keep it away from me please keep it away (laughs) and then uh, yeah linda's mom had to come out and say oh keep the snake away from dan he doesn't like the snakes
0: (laughs) yeah that was 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 your most macho moment then right (laughs) yeah uh, you and i both know i'm not a macho guy no you and i both brother dan played on my record uh my last couple of records and the last time we were doing that your daughter came out and i remember her running throughout the entire studio yeah she had, still does that to get dan's like can you go get her i'm like what do i do
1: yeah <laughs> I'm running you through. grab her you, you tie her down yeah pretty much <laughs> gotta get a stun gun for that kid her and linda get along really well they're both girly yeah. girls so they like to go shopping and makeup and all that stuff the kind of stuff you and I like to do together.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Same, same old. Oh my gosh. How do you like being a dad? Uh, I love it. Yeah. I, I love it. It was obviously wasn't something I planned on. Right. But, uh, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. She, uh, she's, uh, she's forced me to grow up and to, uh, you know, be a contributing person and uh you know some to, way, what, right? yeah well, i mean when, when she was born it's like i i had no choice it's like i have to take care of this girl and uh, i wasn't going to be like my dad did and abandon me when we were 5 years old so i mean you know you got to man up to that shit which um, unfortunately some people still don't do but yeah it's good. It, it's all worked out, and uh, you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? And uh, that's right, man. I'm definitely pretty pretty strong. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it. that's something I can relate to
0: myself with the with the father figure, and mm-hmm. I always say that that's something that I think helped push me into music. Would you say that's the same thing for you? Oh, absolutely,
1: absolutely. I mean, you. It, it was you know being alone all the time, and uh, I just you know had a lot of time to thinking to do things. And uh, I think a lot of that, you know, anger and uh, wanting to get out of the situation I was in inspired me and uh, pushed me to, you know, get really good on my instrument and to learn more about it. And, you know, just wanting to get the hell out of that situation. And also it taught me that, you know, I'm not the most important thing in the world. When you have a kid, you're, it's, the world's not all about you exactly <laughs> which, which it was which for is me shocking isn't it <laughs> yeah it was shocking it was like holy crap I, it's not all about me but I, no I, I mean you know I, I think that you know people need to take responsibility for for their actions and like especially when it comes to kids I mean with my father I, I didn't talk to him for 20 years and because uh, I couldn't understand why he would want to leave us but then um you know, while we were in Europe, um, we're, I was with HypoDust, with Juice in Europe, mm-hmm. and I decided to go see my dad on a whim. Just like, well, you know what? I'm here already. I'm going to go pop in and see him. And uh, I sort of saw him, mended bridges, and he died four months later. So it was the weirdest thing. It's crazy how that happens, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, the, 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 there are things that, I don't know, I, I just had this feeling. It's like, dude, you got to go and just let all this you know, the hatred and stuff go. And I did. And that was, a you know, that's what came out of it. But I mean, still, at the end of the day, it's like, it's hard to let go of something like that. And it's turned me into the person who I am, which is, uh, I never quit and, uh, you know, don't abandon your responsibilities.
0: Well, do you think it was having a child that made you want to seek out your father?
1: Um, pff- I don't know. That's a good question that uh, I'll ask my therapist next time I go see her. <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we have great conversations. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So tell me about your father, Dad. Well, anyway. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, uh, speaking of, you know, uh, having, having growing up without a father and getting into music, you said that it was a way for you to channel your frustration and your anger. Right? Yeah. Is that probably why you chose drums as your primary instrument?
1: I yeah I mean <laughs> the, I was just always attracted to drums <laughs> just the, right. just like I used to set up pots and pans and Kentucky fried chicken barrels well what before <laughs> I knew what you know was really in going into KFC right. The, dirt, right the dirtiest of all the dirty birds oh yeah but um yeah I mean just used to bang around on stuff and uh I met Joe Varga when I was in grade two. Oh wow and, and uh he introduced me to Kiss and uh then uh, Kiss, uh, Kiss Alive one, And then in grade four, Kiss Alive 2 came out. And uh, by then I was hooked. And uh, I bugged my mom until I was in grade seven. And then I finally got a little $50 drum kit. And uh, yeah, then it's weird because uh, I, I knew Joe when we were in grade two. And then he moved away to Stony Creek, which is the east end of the city. And then me and my mom moved into the apartment building right next door to his. No way. So yeah, so it's like, hey Dan, how's it going? So by that point, he'd uh, he'd been playing bass, and we got into you know Rush and um, Black Sabbath and oh, yeah. you know Judas Priest, and then we got full on into the you know British invasion of metal and you know Saxon and all, all that stuff, and then in '79, uh, Van Halen one came out and Kill 'Em All came out by Metallica, and I mean that that pretty much laid the 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 groundwork for my for you know my musical tastes right and uh, yeah well what brought you guys to join to
0: uh, to form Varga what were the circumstances besides the fact that you guys knew each other since the second
1: grade and yeah it, I, you lived next was, to each other the, the, it was pretty much it's it was, it was a very easy thing I mean there's some things in life that you have to force to make work and uh, with Joe, it's just like, yeah, well, l- let's get together and jam. And the hardest thing for me, Joe and myself were to find other people to play with who are equally as committed. Right. And then uh, when we were in grade nine, we met Adam. And the Adam, we, Joe and I played in a band called... Uh, that that was some stupid screamer patrol or some stupid name like that. Some typical heavy metal name. And, uh, and we met Adam, we were playing a talent show and then Adam and Joe hit it off. And the next thing we knew we were in a band, Adam joined our band. And, uh, we went through a series of guitar players. And then in 1989, Sean was the last person that we got to join the band and that was it. A year later we were signed and, uh, we, you know did our thing for almost 10 years and uh yeah we got to do a lot of crazy crazy stuff i mean we opened up for metallica we right. played white zombie prong um rob halford from Judas priest came out to see us play um That's crazy Dimebag bag and vinnie paul came to see us play and phil anselmo came to see us play and it's it was ridiculous the guys from dream theater oh my you know, like if someone would have told me when. You know, when I got serious about playing music, that we would be playing on the same stage as the biggest heavy metal band of all time, um, I probably would have told them a couple of words that are (laughs) inappropriate for this show. But I mean, you know, it it just goes to show that things like that happen. And, uh, you know, I, I know for Joe, a big moment was when we were playing in Phoenix, Arizona, and Joe's singing, and he's a huge Rob Halford fan. And he looks and, you know, his idol is at the side of the stage watching okay. him play and sing. <laughs> Just amazing stuff.
0: Well, speaking of like, so you guys got signed, that was in uh, 1991? Yeah. It was in 91 you guys got signed. It was the same year you, you released your debut album, right?
1: Yeah. Um, right. The, actually, Prototype came out in 93 or 94. Okay. But I mean, we we first started getting courted by Sony BMG in 91. Um, okay, right. And uh, there's some good lessons to be learned in that. Maybe we can talk about that a bit later.
0: Right. Well, actually, you know, I want to ask you right now, you know, what were the deciding factors to sign to BMG at the, uh, back then?
1: Um, <clears throat> well, initially we signed with a label out of New York called Maze Records. OK. Now, Maze um, had a band called Biohazard on the label. It was like an underground heavy label. And it was perfect for us. It's like we got this U.S. deal and blah, blah, blah. So we went and record, we recorded a full album for Maze. And then uh, the guy went bankrupt. And he couldn't, couldn't pay for it. So here we are. We're stuck with this album full of material that we're ready to release. And then, you know, we're on the hook for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Right. And then uh, BMG came in and said, well, you know, we're we think you guys are an amazing band, but we, you know, would like you guys to modernize your sound and mm-hmm. there, there's compromise involved, but I, I think, you know, in retrospect, some of the things that came out of it were great. I think, uh, the, the exposure that we got and the experience in the studio that we got, I mean, I wouldn't have known anything. What I do now, if it weren't for that experience, um, the negative experience was it was, uh, having to compromise your art mm-hmm. for uh, financial gains. All, all of a sudden, <clears throat> you know, we, we need to rely on the record label to pay our rent and to pay our tour support. So we can go out there and get playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you're sitting at a business table, business meeting and you know, the VP of marketing says, well, you guys are $700,000 unrecouped Do you know what the interest is on $700,000? Oh, and I'm just, God. So it was brutal. But I mean, you know, everything has its price and it served its purpose. I mean, we, for, you know, good part of a decade, we we're, you know, the biggest metal band out of Canada. That's crazy and I mean, that's a you know pretty good thing to say. And Absolutely. Yeah, that's that. I, I think we paved the way for. Um, a lot of heavy metal bands these days. uh, Most of them don't want to give us any credit, but when when we (laughs) we started, it's just the way it is. I mean, and and the funny thing is you and I personally know these people as well. So we're, you know, but I mean, it's it's just, everyone thinks that they invented everything and there's always, you know, we don't claim to be the founders of what we did, but I mean, we're influenced by a band called Anvil from, Mm -hmm. from Toronto. Who's a, you know, total pioneering metal band. Um, rush is a heavy metal band if you strip them down i mean 2112 is a is a total metal album progressive metal so yeah i mean it was it was a double-edged sword and it's just uh i remember when we got finished recording prototype um i I couldn't go near the drums for a month i was so shell-shocked from the studio and just uh it's it's nothing like working with julius or juice buddy i mean, he's he knows how to uh, approach and work with uh, an artist's psyche. Whereas when you have someone that works for a major label, who's producing your band, it's, I mean, all that matters is money. And uh, it's when money and art start going hand in hand, um, your product is going to be severely compromised. And uh, that's what happened with us. And with the new records, I mean, that there's no compromise there at all so you know the money that's involved you know we paid for it ourselves and you know we managed to convince juice to to do the records and you know the, subsequently the stuff that's come out of it is people are going holy crap these albums are great and where have you guys been yeah, and yeah. blah 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 and uh i mean at the end of the day it's you know we, we weren't a grunge band and we weren't going to try to pretend to be that so when that whole movement took over instead of conforming to that we said you know what let's just You know, let's just see what happens and see what happens turns into 10 years. And I mean, in in the meantime, I, you know, played on your records and I learned a lot more about music. I went and I got a music degree and I became a high school teacher. And I mean, music is something that none of us have ever stopped doing. And then this time around, when we all got back in the room and plugged in, there wasn't any. it, it, It felt like we never stopped and the only thing that changed is we were all better on our instruments and we all had much more respect for music in general and for each other and uh we weren't completely drunk and stoned (laughs) which uh which which is a good thing i mean at, at the point in my life where i couldn't function without being like that and uh i mean that's a dark place to go but you know being clean and sober that there's nothing like that feeling of, you know, playing music and connecting with everyone. And, you know, that's how it is. It's like a long lost reunion of friends. And, you know, we can remember, we're going to remember it this time around. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Would you say knowing what you know now from being signed to a major label, if you were offered that chance again, now knowing what you know do you think that you would you would do the same thing or do you think that you would go independent and and do it yourself
1: um well the 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 playing field has completely changed i mean now with uh the internet and social media everyone has a an equal sort of way to get exposed major labels right now as far as i can see are, are distributors for people like miley cyrus and uh walk off the earth and you know those type of mainstream popular bands um would we sign the type of deal that we did 20 years ago absolutely not that would, uh, that was almost a detriment of our band and i mean it's it, it caused a lot of damage again it caused a lot of good but um i think these days it the the and you know marcio you're one of the people who opened up my eyes to the social media world here you know you're when I was working with you you're you know showing me all these things and, and that's the key is you need to have that savvy and you can do it and I'm you know a record deal is like getting a mortgage for your house yeah and uh i I gotta tell you you know going and sitting with the the banker and they're looking up at your your credit rating oh you got a ding here because you didn't pay 25 dollars on your phone bill i mean it's that's what the studio was like because they got this little microscope on you and they're like analyzing everything and they analyze how you look and it's you know uh, if you're good in time your stuff will it will get discovered. And I firmly believe that, you know, the difference that you can hear in the latest, you know, return of the metal and enter the metal is that we're passionate and we're having fun. And you can hear that in the record. Mm. And uh, you, you can hear like the, the free spiritedness of it. And it's like, you know what, we really don't give a shit if anybody likes this, because we didn't, we never released it for, you know, for mass consumption uh, what's been happening along the way is people
2: have been picking it up and going wow th- this is this is really really good what the hell and that's and probably so. because it's more genuine and it's more yeah. what you want to create it, so people exactly. are latching onto that and I think yeah. I think that's kind of where things have gone wrong a little bit with the mainstream side of things is the the authenticity is not there so much now mm-hmm. or, or when it is there it's diluted down and and yeah it's just all about oh, money, money you know yeah. and it, it is. And when I hear that in metal, it
1: breaks my heart. Um, there's a, there's this whole genre of metal coming out that I, I like to call pro tools metal. <laughs> and, and That's where a band will go in the studio or one or two people from the band they'll record a guitar riff. Um, they'll loop that riff a thousand times. They'll uh, speed it up. They'll quantize it and they'll, they'll just like manipulate something. And when, when they put it together in a song I mean, there's like one or two parts of the song That sound good, but it doesn't have that The cohesiveness And I mean, w- with Varga We hone each section The transitions from one part into the other Are seamless And, you know, like the the new stuff I'm hearing It's like, all edit here, bam And you can hear the distinct edits Between the sections And it just, it has no soul And, uh, it, you know, there's a there's a record that one of my friends worked on and they took all the original drum tracks and got rid of them and just used samples on that. Oh, God. And just like that's the mentality of metal bands these days. And everyone just you know, it resorts to the low B strings, like, oh, we gotta go to this really low part, and oh, here's a breakdown and here's yeah. like it's so cliche, and that's what happened with metal in um in the late eighties. And it's people don't see it and You know, metal is more of a community where people help each other out and they support each other. And that's, you know, in the mid 80s when we had, you know, Metallica huge, Anthrax huge, Slayer, Megadeth, when we had, you know, that really big upsurging of metal, that's because all those bands worked together and they would go on tour together. And metal bands, again, <laughs> to their detriment, I mean, no one wants to help each other out. We have this yeah. l- a bunch of wicked metal bands up here in Canada. They're all so afraid to share their audiences because they think they're going to get their audiences stolen. That yeah. really what they're doing is they're just killing their own scenes or, you know, yeah. Yeah. decreasing their longevity. And we I mean, see that quite a lot
2: here a- as well.
1: Well, it's, it's too bad. You look at what ha- you look at what happened in Seattle in the late 80s, early 90s. Why did that scene take off? Well, it took off because one of the bands became huge, big brothered another band, they would get huge, and so on and so on. All you know, next thing you know, you have a huge music scene, and uh, it, it just kills me that people are so stupid that they can't see that. It's like, man, there's room for everyone.
0: Well, it's the yeah. funny you know, thing is, as, as a as a, a fan of music, I actually there's a there's a camaraderie, and there's like I get excited when bands are friends with one another. I yeah, is, and if I like those bands, I'm like, oh, cool, they're friends too. I don't know what it is yeah. about
2: that, but it's you get a weird feeling, and it's yeah, it's it's, it's nice. Like, yeah. And and uh, I actually I, I wrote a blog post a few weeks ago about um, community versus competition, or was it collab- collaboration versus competition? I think yeah. it yeah talking about you know instead of seeing each other as competition see each other as you know opportunities to you know share an audience and and help each other out and and i think that that is definitely something that's missing um you know i don't know if it's if it's so much just now or if it was then or if it's but it's definitely something i'm noticing now
1: it's it's a constant thing and i mean if anything i i like to look back at history and learn from it It's like, you know, if I fall on my face and I smash my teeth in the sidewalk, well, I'm going to make sure that I don't trip over that same piece of pavement and do that again. I mean, and people are just making the same mistakes over and over again.
0: Yeah. So actually, what I wanted to just touch on is um, how you guys even got hooked up playing with White Zombie and Metallica, because those were the two, probably biggest, two of the biggest metal bands in the world at the time. Yeah. Right. Um, So how'd that, how'd you guys uh, hook that up?
1: Well, we're we're signed to a major label. And uh, remember how I said uh, all the negative things about being signed to a major label? The positive things are is that they have a lot of power. And then back in the 90s, um, and record companies dictated what people listen to you know we got on beavis and butthead and those things i would like to think that our music had a part of it but yeah of I, I, I think for the most part it was it was political mm. <laughs> to, to get onto a tour like that now you have to buy onto tours it's it's yeah. funny it's like the circle has gone and completely like 360 it's wild
0: i've heard about that well i was oh, yeah. asking about beavis and butthead that must have been <laughs> what what was oh. that like when
1: when I'd, that whole thing happened it was funny as hell because of two cartoon characters our our fan base increased 10 tenfold that's crazy yeah it's it's wild it was really incredible to see that
0: well those but, two animated characters really could have make or made or break a band well
1: they broke they broke a band called the winger yeah if you notice the one kid that uh is at the brunt of all their jokes is wearing a winger shirt oh, you and see uh that? yeah winger was a this, this in a genre I like to call cock rock, uh, back in the day, and uh, they're writing, you know, inappropriate songs about you know seventeen year old girls and just, just stupid stuff yeah. like that. And uh, I remember watching an interview on MTV with Kippinger going, you know, I don't know why these cartoon characters destroyed my band, and I'm thinking, well, your your crappy music destroyed your <laughs> band, and but you know they they just helped. <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> Well, you say it. You say it the way it is, man. That's what I love about you. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you.
1: Too old for that shit.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. okay, I was also gonna ask you. So, like, uh, what caused you guys to kind of part ways? I know you guys stayed friends. You guys yeah. have always been friends, but yeah. part ways in the sense of making music for you know the better half of a couple of
1: decades, pretty much. As I said before, the major labels controlled what yeah everyone was listening to, and they wanted to put us into that box. Mm-hmm. And you know. You can wrap it up anyway, but you know, if if it looks like metal, it smells like metal, it's metal. No matter what you can put all the plaid clothing you want on it, and you know, we don't know how to play anything else together. I mean, in other situations, I mean, well, come when you, you play it
0: on my records, that I,
1: I, pop yeah, on. but I, I mean, <laughs> w- when I play when I play on your records, I'm still playing aggressively, and yeah, you know, but uh, I, I can. I know you and, you know, I obviously have, you know, personal connection with you. I was at your friggin' wedding, obviously. So, you know, we're, we're friends and I can feed off that. But I mean, you know, people ask me why I've never been a studio drummer. And the reason is because, I mean, I I can't pretend to play on someone's stuff who I don't like as a person. (laughs) And that's, you know, and uh, as a band with Varga, I, you know, when we're together in a room and, and it feels right, it's special. But, you know, when we had the all the sort of influence from the labels trying to get us to sound like a grunge band, well, it ruined what it was. And, yeah. For sure. And, and again, I think the best thing to happen to music was the internet. And I think the worst thing to happen to music was the internet for reasons why I said before. Because now, it, you know, just so much crap is coming out and, you know, I think bands should be practicing more and uh, honing their songs and not trying to pretend to be rock stars.
0: Well, especially auto-tune. I mean, like, you know what? Oh. Like, talking about Pro Tools and and, and, and everything, quantizing everything, I feel like it does have its place maybe in certain genres. or Absolutely. Whatever, but mm-hmm. the genres where I feel like the whole essence of it is truth and honesty and, and a rebellion against the mainstream, like metal and punk and even grunge. Yeah. I know, and it was like, yeah. But that all kind of came from, I think, similar places to just give – Give something new, give something real. You know, yeah. those are, are just when you have when you have a metal singer you're using auto tune. I just oh, that's bad. Take my head. Yeah. I, I, you know what, you know what, it's you know what it is like when I hear a pop star like Miles Cyrus mm-hmm. or something using yeah. auto tune. I don't, I shrug it off because you don't expect much from them. That's what no. it is. No, <laughs> you, no it, you, know, you just whatever. Okay, this other pop star is using it. Yeah, that's what they do. Lacking talent or whatever. I'm gonna get mm-hmm. some flag for that for some people maybe, but it's my opinion. Um, Yeah, you know, I I don't care. I'd rather, I don't care if someone's perfectly in I'd rather uh, a a truthful performance. And this doesn't just go for a vocal. This goes for a drummer like yourself or anyone. I'd rather a truthful, honest performance coming from someone that's from their heart than something that, you know, that's just looped. And that's just me. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I I agree. And uh, getting back to the grunge thing, you have all these bands just completely trying to copy Nirvana. And, you know, Nirvana was special because they're Nirvana. They're those three guys in a room together. And, you know... The shit came out and it was it was special. Well, the fact you, that after Nirvana,
0: Dave Grohl came out and didn't try to be Nirvana,
1: yeah, is should
0: should have been an example to all the
1: other bands. I know, but yeah, like like Nirvana was an organic thing that happened, yeah. and th- that's what people fail to see to realize. Like, you, you can't copy that.
0: Where I, where I first met you was back in I think 2007. Mm-hmm. 2007 2008, when I was working on my, the Break Me EP that with yep. Julie's Buddy, which we mentioned earlier. Julie's Buddy, producer of all the Alex on fire albums and the first mm-hmm. city and color record, amazing producer, protest a hero and everything during your hiatus after Varga, you guys formed the band hypodust.
1: Yeah. I think it was around 2003. Did you
0: and Julius know each other way before then, or? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've known juice for a long time. Um, he was originally a drummer and, uh, That's right. our, yeah, our bands played together. And, uh, I remember we, we were doing some Iron Maiden songs and, uh, I played the song that Julius was trying to learn on the drums and he couldn't figure it out. And then I think shortly after that, he stopped playing drums.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's,
1: That's good. He, but he's got he, some pipes, man. That guy can sing. The, he, he's he, a phenomenal singer. He, he's a phenomenal person. Yeah. A phenomenal artist, a phenomenal friend. Pretty I, I mean, I, I love the guy. You so sense. yeah, we both do.
0: You guys decided to, well, it's not even really a decision. It seemed like it was a natural progression to bring Julius into the studio with you guys to record mm-hmm. your two albums. Mm-hmm. Why did you guys decide to release two albums?
1: Uh, because I couldn't stand listening to the entire 90 minutes of music that we put when we recorded it. It made me tired. And I, I, I couldn't concentrate on it. And I couldn't see people you know, consuming the whole thing. And uh, I also was getting that feeling about, you know, internet longevity. It's like, you know, you put something online and it's gone in a day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how could we extend, extend, you know, the material that we had? Because it wouldn't fit onto one CD. That was, that was our first clue right there. It's like, okay, well, it's too long. So what do we do? And we're mastering it uh, with Joa Carvalho, which Yo, you know yeah. very well as oh, well. Yeah, and
0: Brett yeah
1: he's a great amazing talent anyway and he he said well if you want i could squeeze it onto one cd but you know i agree with what you guys are doing put it out on two cds i think it's genius yeah for multiple uh,
0: reasons like you said first of all i think having um two 30 to 40 minute cds that a bit more people especially with what you guys are doing you guys are doing um you know eight minute songs yeah you know epics and you guys have it's very technical and everything and i love it but having Mm -hmm. that break i think Gives you a more appreciation for it. It's like if they did all the Harry Potter movies at once. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's that's (laughs) That's what it's like. It it is like that. Was part one and part two, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's it it just seemed like a really natural thing. And again, it just just worked out that way, and you know everything aligned perfectly. And I mean, it it ended up costing us more money to put it out, you know, on two CDs because of product. But you know what? At, At this point in the game, it's like. We just want to have something that we can be proud of. Yeah. And another thing that we've always wanted to do is to put out a double album, like double vinyl. Yeah, And uh, we're going to be doing that with uh, Enter and Return of the Metal.
0: Oh, that's exciting.
1: (laughs) Yes, we're going to be putting that together. Again, just like total stupid kid stuff that we're doing for ourselves. Of course. But you know what? I think that's where it has to come
0: from. And I I honestly think people pick up on that because I always say, Mm -hmm. you know, the audiences, particularly the audiences of independent music Mm -hmm. are not stupid. No, they're not stupid. You know, it's it's. (laughs) It's. I feel like it's a little bit different than the mainstream. The indie versus mainstream, right? Absolutely. Um, they are listening. They're looking for something different, and they get. I don't want to say real or fake. I just want to say honesty. They want. they yeah. they,
2: they get. Yeah. yeah. There's more yeah. of a connection as well because you're not like up on that pedestal, you know, like a mainstream artist. So you're generally you're you're a bit more accessible to them, and yeah. they feel they feel a little bit more like they're part of your journey and they're part of what you're producing. Yeah, So I think that like, I think, I think the bond between like the independent musician and the independent musician's audience is like amazing. There's something really, really special about it. It, It's it's amazing. I mean,
1: we have people, we have people who are like doing things for us. Like it's incredible. We have just the dedication of of the people and it's it's interesting to see it snowball you know you know yourself marcio you can't ever give up Mm -mm. you just got to keep at it and you you know you're gonna in this business you get shit on a lot and you know you're gonna have a thousand people to tell you no before one person tells you yes
0: always say that man that one Mm -hmm. person is all you got to focus on that's
1: it one person or that one good thing you know that's it and you know don't rely on music to make your money. That That's the biggest thing that people, biggest mistake they do. It, it, it's art. <laughs> you know, th- this is something that you do for the passion of it. And, uh, you know, having been on both sides of it, I can tell you that, you know, making music for the sake of making music that you love is what it's all about. I mean, there's no financial thing that could ever exceed what we've done. You know, playing in a room together with our best friend producing our records. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, we've talked about technology. Did we use Pro Tools and some quantizing? Absolutely. We use technology as a tool, but not as a crutch. Yes.
2: Yeah, and yeah that's, that's the difference. Yeah. yeah. Like using it to... Uh, what would be the word I want to say enhance yeah. that's maybe not quite the word but yeah. you know rather than it's not a substitute it's not yeah. a substitute for the talent it's just yeah like you said it's one of the tools in your toolbox that you use to make things yeah. sound as good as they can exactly so man. that's different to you know yeah as you said a crutch yeah you know, that, that's um, the whole deal and I think there's no there's no problem with that at all, because, you know, I think when you're buying music, you want it to sound as good as it possibly can. Right. But at the same time, you've got to have the balance. You can't strip away what's real and, and what actually happened. Yeah. You know, so it's just it's finding that balance. And yeah, that's the thing I think a lot of people struggle with. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, when you come see Varga live when we're in
2: Europe next summer and
1: I hook you up to come hang out with us, Ross. Oh, that'd be amazing. Do yeah. yeah, do that. And Martial's going to be coming, but he, he just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, when, when we eventually do get over there and you see the band play, um, we sound like the record. And the reason for that is because we actually played those songs together and we honed those songs a as a band. I and know, uh, it's, it's almost a foreign concept. But what do
0: you, what do you mean <laughs> you played on the record? I don't get it.
1: Yeah, well... There you go. We, we, we you know, we, we had all those songs click tracked, So all of all those songs have a, a click track map and uh, there's you know several different tempos and time signatures in every song. And that took us a month to do that. Wow. So, so by the time we were done the click tracks, we all knew the songs really well. Mm-hmm. And then it was just a matter of, you know, the way that we rehearsed the songs, we, we rehearsed them first in a live situation and then in a, in a studio in Joe's studio, where we all had headphones and the click track on. And it was just basically, you know, we deadened all the drums and got rid of all the cymbals, so we could hear everything perfectly. So there were no questioning, Oh, you're playing uh, an E flat there. Well, that, 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 really should be a C sharp. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- that, you know, we got rid of all that stuff before we got into the studio and then, you know, when you give something that's good to to someone like Juice Buddy, well, that's when it can, turns into something special. Well,
0: what's, what was touring like back then?
1: Uh, it was, wow. It was, let's put it this way. Within a year, we went from touring in the back of a bread truck that we bought to being in, in the back of a 52 foot tour bus. Oh my God. So it, it was, it was, it was all came really hard and fast. And then it ended just as hard as fast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the only way I can describe it. (laughs) It was, it was was great. It was uh, some of the best
2: times and some of the worst times of my life, but you know, that's how it goes. I think think that's kind of what everyone says about touring is, you know, there's all the fun sides, but then there's a lot of downsides as well. I I, I, I have a lot
1: of fun touring stories, but you know, unfortunately I can't share them with you because I've, I am a teacher now and I need to keep my job and I would hate I to was have thinking <laughs> that too. I'm like, I don't think you can share certain. Yeah, stories. no. I, all I can say is um, I'm very grateful that cell phone technology was not available at the time <laughs> and, and uh, you know, videotaping stuff on phones because yeah. I certainly wouldn't be in the position I'm in today. i
2: there were a lot of people in a lot of positions. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I was going to say you'd probably be even more famous than yeah, and than you were true. because, uh, yeah. you that, know, that, that's how it seems to work now. That
1: Tommy Lee Pamela Anderson tape is nothing compared to what I've seen and done in my life, man. <laughs>
0: I love it. You know what? Yeah.
1: People are are
0: are doing crazier things today. It's just that they're getting caught doing
1: it. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> way. No way. The, everything yeah. you do and say is is documented and you know. Yeah. I, I've learned my lesson. and I'm just, you know, very happy that cell phone technology isn't what isn't what it was is now back then. Exactly. <laughs> that's all. I got you. That's my story <laughs> and I'm sticking to it.
0: Um I you've you've said some amazing things today, I think, that uh, and you shared a lot. Thank you for that. My but pleasure. I, I wanted to ask you if there's anything in particular, if someone's listening right now, that wants to get to the place that you've gotten and the place that you are at, you know, yep. whether as a drummer or musician in general or as a creative in general, actually. you know, What yeah. advice would you give them?
1: Um, be passionate and follow that little feeling inside your stomach because it's always right. And uh, perseverance persistence and passion those are the three keys to success right there and just you you can't give up it's you know being being in a situation where you can help people after you've been successful i think is also critical passing the torch teaching people that's why i became a teacher i I learned so much while you know recording and touring that I, i wanted to pass that on to other people and uh you know, I'm a lifelong learner and you know, the minute that you think that you know how to play your instrument or that you know what you're doing is the minute that you really don't know anything at all. Yeah. And just always keep an open mind. Um, do nice things for people. Do you have time for our 20 questions round? I, I can do whatever you want.
0: All right. All right. Okay. You ready for this? Ready. Okay. Here we go. Ready for us? Yeah. All right. I hope so. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Tea. Meat or Veggies. Um meat CD or vinyl? Vinyl. Summer or winter? Summer. Canada or Scotland? Ah, uh, Canada. Never been to Scotland. Pizza or potatoes? Pizza. Melody or rhythm? Rhythm. Friends or Fraser? Friends. Indie or major? Indie. Rain or shine? Rain. Breaking Bad or Homeland? Uh Breaking Bad. Dogs or hot dogs? Dog. Celine Dion or Marilyn Manson? Marilyn Manson. Cats or rats? Cat. Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton?
1: Michael Jackson. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> twerk or work? Um, I like to work when I twerk. I don't know. Yeah. Work. <laughs> Ricky, <laughs> work. Ger- Ricky Gervais or Ricky Martin? Uh, I don't know who the first guy was, so I'll go with Ricky
0: Martin. Okay. Jesus or Satan? Uh, Satan. There you go. Bette Midler or The Riddler? <laughs> the Riddler. Ross or Marcio?
1: Marcio. Yeah. Sorry, Ross. One tick it, for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, Ross, I, I, Marcio and I have been in a room naked together. This I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh I'm so. pleased. i It's got to be. I mean, yeah. Even if I don't remember it, I, I believe you. <laughs>
2: yeah. no, and I, I was at your wedding, so this is true. It's yeah. cool. There's no hard feelings. Okay, I love you too, though, Ross. Okay. Thanks, love you too. Is All there, right, man. Is
0: there uh, is there any music recommendations? That you'd have anything you're listening to right now that mm. um, that you'd like people to check out, besides well, obviously I, your your music.
1: Yeah, as, as far as metal goes, um, I like uh, the, a newer band called Battlecross. Okay, I, I think uh, they're those guys are the real deal. Um, as far as uh, y- you know, I I find myself listening to to albums like Raining Blood by Slayer again. And just, you know, r- really listening to people playing their instruments well together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Energy. Yeah, just, just, just yeah. that th- that type of stuff. And, and again, just, you know, like classic rock, like something will come on the radio that this classic rock song, um, you know, so- something ridiculous, but, you know, knowing what I know now and being able to hear music the way that I hear it now, mm-hmm. that the appreciation I have for that, and again, you know, any Zeppelin song comes on, and I'm just, you know, I have a massive heart on cause John Bonham it just slays me. It's like a, such an organically incredible drummer. And uh, man, that, that guy's something else.
0: well, you know, Dan, man, this was this is been wonderful really it's such a pleasure chatting with you and catching up i haven't talked to you i think in a couple of years make sure you check out varga online varga hq.com make sure you check out their latest records enter the metal metal sorry enter the metal and return to the metal it's awesome you should check it out
1: connect with varga i'm the guy in the band with the big mouth in case you haven't figured that out <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: because i love metal and i love the band
2: and i love music
0: sounds great man yeah man Hey, thanks so much, brother. Much
2: My pleasure, guys. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bridge the Atlantic. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes.
0: You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So connect with us on there and let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for being awesome.
2: And we'll see you next week.